trusting my gut instinct. Like, do I really want to be there? Do I, or am I just like the idea of this fear-based response? Am I having to it? Like, I don't want to miss this, this, right? So trusting my gut. And sometimes I do ask myself, like, do I really want to go? Not really. It's okay. And then I justify with my Jomo reasons to stay home. So happy for you guys that you guys are getting together this weekend, and I'm really jealous. But we'll yeah, touch on we're, that. We're later. gonna we're gonna dive into the jealousy <laughs> aspect. So yeah. welcome everybody. Welcome to another episode of Girls Gone Deep. We're gonna talk about all things non-monogamy and sex and FOMO, <laughs> all the things There's- that happen in between the sex and the flirting and the the aftermath. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. personal growth that comes from it all. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, and I'm actually really excited about this conversation because it's gonna harken back to basically why we created this podcast. When we would like call each other on Sundays, we would just be like, "Hey, how was your weekend? What did you do?" And we would like start telling like all these you know crazy stories about what we did on Friday, Saturday, and then it would just eventually turn into this like hour long conversation about what we learned from it and how we grew and like you know how how we're going to do things a little bit differently next time, and mm-hmm. so. I think that this week I'm I'm just really excited to just hop around to a couple of different um, things that we wanted to chat about. Yeah. And we haven't talked about it yet. We don't know what each other are going to say. So we were just <laughs> like, hey, add this to the list. I really want to talk about it. So um, I think that a couple of these things are really going to resonate with other people. Yeah. So we'll see what kind of kind of jumps in. I mean, I, I'm very interested about an article that I read um, on Sex with Emily, which is uh, she has like an Instagram. She has a podcast. She's um, sure some people have heard of her, but she had a, a post about arousal types. And so it really stood out to me because I'm resonating with it pretty hard because I've been really busy at work the past, I don't know, I'd say like eight weeks, everything is shifting. And so I'm working about eight to 10 hour days. And so when I came across this article, I was thinking about my sexuality more recently and how I don't really have one. Like I am so stressed out in my day to day and my mind is elsewhere that it's hard for me to connect more deeply with my husband. Um, it led to the trigger in um, hedonism. If you guys heard that episode 14 and it, it's almost because I've lost that connection with myself. So when I came across this arousal type, I read through them all and I almost was like, ah, I don't even know what I want right now. What turns me on right now? So that's what really made me stop and think and actually like look at it and read it and try to understand. So let's go through. I just want to go through like what the arousal types are. Can I back up really quickly? Because what kind of intrigued me about this was what is the difference between arousal and desire? Yes. Because when you, so you see the Instagram post and then she kind of links back to or something like that. And article that she wrote June 21st, 2022. So if anyone wants to look it up, these are the five arousal styles, which one are you on sexwithemily.com. And she says, we have a tendency to conflate arousal with desire. The two are related, but there's a crucial difference. Desire is a psychological wanting, but arousal is a bodily event. 
And I'm often missing that. Um, I'll, I'll <laughs> maybe like my head will be there and I'll be like, yes, I want to do this. But like, I don't know, like maybe I'm not wet or like maybe I'm not, it's taking me a while to like really get turned on and get to orgasm. So this is mm -hmm. very interesting. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking about. What makes me wet? What makes my heart race a little bit? What gets me like, ooh, touching myself? Like when I'm feeling myself and I'm turned on, I will be way more touchy with others and on my own body. Um, sometimes I feel like a male, like, you know, some guys like grab their dick and they'll touch their dick. Like sometimes I'll like touch myself and I don't realize I'm doing it in front of other people, <laughs> mm. but it's just this touch that comes over me. So when I came across this article, I was like, wow, like I don't, I had to think like, what's going to turn me on right now? And so I had to stop and think, so let's go, let's go through what each of the arousals are. There are five. Yeah, there's five. So one is touch. Uh, the next is play visuals conversation, and physical adventure. So I'll just briefly go through like each one and then I mm, want to hear, I want to hear what yours are. And I like, wonder which one I am, demisexual. <laughs> right? Couldn't so, be conversation. <laughs> right. So you could be a blend of them too though. So I'm curious to see yeah. if any come up secondarily. Mm -hmm. So touch is you like skin contact. It could be massages, holding hands, finger tracing, kisses on the neck. Mm. Um, just those types of touches. It could be sexual or non-sexual, but mm. eventually it starts non-sexual and I would like it to be touching like your secondary erogenous zones, you know, like the inner thigh mm. is a huge, huge turn on for me. Anyone who like rubs my inner thigh, even if it's just in casual conversation or watching TV, that is a trigger for me. So I Noted. Really <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I was – this is the excitement that came back to me as I was thinking about these particular uh, arousal types. So touch is definitely one of mine. The next something, one is – Sorry. Something that comes to mind with that one is something we talked with Chet about. And it's like, yeah, that's hot and it does turn me on. And different scenarios are coming to mind where I'm like, oh my God, I got wet just by, you know, the the – very soft touch of their fingertips, mm -hmm. but it had to be the right situation, the right person. I had to already want their touch. So I don't know. It's interesting. To so for, for you, your arousal type is conversation, right? So you need the conversation first. And once you have the emotional connection, then you're receptive to your secondary, which is touch, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Okay. So you, you have like a prerequisite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, so it's conversation since it came up, obviously it's, it's that connection. It's emotionally, whether it's non-sexual conversation to laughter, to the sexy talk, but either way, you need to have that uh, demisexual connection um, that's deeper and where you feel safe and it's playful. You're curious. You ask questions. You create a real emotional connection as your precursor to sex. Yep. That sounds yeah. like me. <laughs> <laughs> now, the next one is, is play. And I really like this one. Um, play is you get turned on by letting loose, having fun. So this could be role-playing as a form of play, dressing up. But this could also even just mean you like a good joke or you like to play uh, card games or other games together and just that playfulness turns you on in the end too. When I, sorry, when I first read this, I was like, oh, play must be mine. I fucking love games. And But then I was thinking about it and I was like, but it doesn't actually 
arouse me. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoy the connection that I get from play and the conversation that comes from the games that I play and the playfulness. But I wouldn't say that like it quickens my heartbeat or like, you know, makes my palms sweaty and like, you know, makes my nipples hard. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the same as you. I don't feel that play. I enjoy it for the connection, but not for the sexual aspect, the arousal of it. Yeah. So yeah. So I, so play is, is a good one, but not mine either. Um, What about, yeah, visuals. So visuals is you get turned on by what you see. So you love seeing your partner looking hot even visuals could be watching some porn and then which then leads to fantasizing so you're visualizing it in your head what you might like sexy things and taking selfies of yourself and seeing yourself in sexy clothes hmm. so i have a little bit of the visual for sure i think that i enjoy watching porn with my partner or in front of others or with others i think that that's really hot mm-hmm. and um you know i'm always about the stacy q on the tv whenever we have our sex parties mm-hmm. um, which is a, a nice soft kind of porn of sexy women dancing and moving slowly but yeah i would say visuals is probably up there for me these are my top three would be touch and I didn't talk about conversation, but mine also is conversation and visuals. Mm-hmm. What about you? Do you visually um, get turned on by looking at somebody if they're dressed really hot or? Um, turned on, no. Or like my arousal is not sparked. I'm, or maybe, okay, no, sorry. So maybe I'm turned on, but not aroused. So like the desire is there, but not the arousal. Okay. If so that makes you, sense. So it's the psychological part. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, and I'm particularly thinking of women because we dress so well, like in our mm-hmm. sexy lingerie and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I'll look at someone and be like, wow, that's hot. Like, I want to get to know her more, but I'm not wet from mm-hmm. seeing them. Yeah. So I want I want to go back to something that you said. You said that turn you turned on, but you're not aroused. So mm. for me, I think that aroused is being turned on because now I feel like my physical body has turned on to my mental. So are they? What does turned on mean to you then? I think maybe I can use it in two different ways, and it is the mental turn on and the physical turn on. So when I'm differentiating them in this conversation aroused is strictly physical. Okay. So turned on, I think probably does have two components to it. So let's say my desire is triggered when I see sexy people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you're saying that desire could be synonymous to turned on. You're mentally thinking about the sex. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) So for me, I think turned on, oh, that's, I don't know. I think I'd like to sit on that one for myself. I think that turned on for me is um, I'm, my pussy's wet. I'm ready to go. I'm also thinking about when we did the Freaksgiving episode and you talked about how wet you were when you were spanking me. Mm-hmm. What arousal type is that? Is that Ooh. play? Is it – oh, That's- we didn't even touch on physical adventure. So you get turned on by doing something heart-pounding. You love moving, dancing, yoga, and basically anything that gets you super into your body. Is that it? Because you no. were being very physical. No, I would say that that's more play because that's a kink role, mm. right? We're, we're playing a role in that time. So it's creative, it's imaginative, it's playful. So mm-hmm. that would so that's play and that's touch. And you're <laughs> inhabiting that um, different side of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. 
Yeah. So I think this is helpful, especially in weeks like this when you're, you know, manic with work and stuff, just like, and it's different from knowing your love language, which feels a little bit more um, loving for lack of a better word. (laughs) It's like more warm and cozy. Whereas like arousal is like, what is going to get me in the mood for the physical act of sex? Mm -hmm. So so I, what's your yeah. what's your summary of your three or, or two or three or four? I mean, you could be one, you could be a combo of all, and I think it could be different for each situation that you're in. And I and I'd like to give you an example of that. Like for me, visual is important to me, but I don't get turned on just by looking at somebody just because they're dressed hot. Mm-hmm. But I will say that being at lifestyle sex events and being at our joy family parties, when we are around our sexy, because everyone is hot and attractive and fit and they look amazing in their outfits, I am turned on by the visuals of everybody in that room. But I also think that that could also be a product of what else is going on, the energy, the environment, the Mm -hmm. environment that we're in, the setting, the ambiance, the music. So there's just a lot more there Mm -hmm. that could actually maybe not be true. (laughs) Yeah. These things are hard to (laughs) isolate. So yeah, I would say I'm thinking about it with actually my partners, like my close partners, and then also just like random one night stands and stuff like that. It usually is the conversation that moves into that flirtatious touching, which is what starts to get me wet. Mm -hmm. So and then there has to be a playful energy. So those are my three. Okay. Conversation, play, and touch. Yep. I would say mm-hmm. that I am touch for sure. Um, conversation. I'm a sucker for laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can make me giggle and laugh, that's just – I feel like laughter just really takes down all the guards and mm-hmm. the safety nets, that pe- the walls that people put up. Mm-hmm. So, um, But I also really, really like intellectual conversation. I'm super mm-hmm. deep and I can have some really boring, nerdy, scientific, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and some people just aren't into that type of conversation, but that's my style. But then More do you than- get like wet from that and aroused from that? Um. I guess like the way that I think about it is that I get connected more with that person Mm -hmm. and that's probably where the demisexualness comes out. So yes, like a a smart intellectual conversation will turn me on eventually. And I used to have these conversations with with M when we were in college and I used to call them IOs for intellectual orgasms. So yes. like when we would have like an aha, deep conversation, we both agreed on it. And we're like, oh my God, yes, I feel the same way. Or I, you know, that was an IO, you know? Yes. Oh, so. that's going to be a term that I use. <laughs> oh my God. Orgasm. Yeah. That's mm. an IO. Um, <laughs> so those are, so this was really helpful for me to just kind of like feel back into my body and think about what actually gets my body going. Did you so act on this. it? Well, no, I mean, it really just came about this week and I'm still in like fight or flight mode of working mm. 10 hours a day. I think that once I get to our trip tomorrow, I'll be able to chill a little bit. <laughs> um, thank you for taking the time to have this chat with me. Oh my I gosh, of course. It. This is like <laughs> therapy for me. <laughs> so then I think a good segue is, so you're going on a trip this weekend and it is mommy's birthday. Everybody met mommy in episode 19. Um, Mm -hmm. about female 
relationships in the lifestyle. And uh, it's her birthday and a bunch of the Joy family are getting together, going down to Tampa. And Jay and I will not be attending. And it is very hard knowing that all of my friends are going to be together um, doing this really fun thing. Luckily, I have something really fun that I'm doing this weekend instead. Um, So one of my vanilla girls, um, (laughs) love her to death, shout out her and her soon-to-be husband, listen to all these episodes, and so I'm saying this for you, girl, but they're getting married this weekend, and I'm so fucking excited. Congratulations. So it'll... You know, it it'll be bittersweet, you know, not to be with the Joy family, but you know, just really enjoying my time with my homegirls. But but it's not always like that, right? So if there was some other random reason why I couldn't join this event, which you know, there are a couple of things coming up this year that I'm not going to be able to attend either for like work purposes, you know, Mm -hmm. not being able to get the time off work or like not being able to afford it or something like that. That's not as fun to miss it, you know, like for this, I'm like, okay, I have something awesome that I'm doing, but- There's a distraction, of course. Yeah. So how do you deal with FOMO? (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, it's a great question. And and here's the thing, it's I think my the way that I handle it is different based on the circumstances and the scenario. So, you just brought up a good point. So, FOMO, I think FOMO comes down to did you have the choice to miss it or not? So, for you, you did not have the choice. You have like well, you did, but your priorities were your the wedding, right? Because that is a close friend of yours, like that was that's a once in a lifetime kind of experience. So it was, for lack of a better word, out of your hands. Like you had to say no, right? You fe- would you agree with that? I I do agree with that. And to be clear, this is probably a bad example because I I'm not experiencing the FOMO that I typically feel because I am really fucking excited about this weekend. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so it's not a great example, but it's the one we have. So you know. Bestie, you know who you are. I'm not upset <laughs> that I'm going to your wedding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, just to clear that up. Yeah. Um, I, I can relate this to you because we just had this happen yes. a week or two ago when everybody went to DC and we were invited and we couldn't make that either. And I was having FOMO real hard when mm-hmm. I started seeing the Instagram social media posts. But I had a trip planned to Nashville. So flights were booked, Airbnbs, it was a vanilla trip. I was gone. So I couldn't physically go because I already had other plans. So it was a little easier to miss it, but I still had FOMO. And the one thing that I did to kind of help myself feel better was to share that I missed everybody. So I texted a couple people and I knew the message would get around to whoever was there that I was comp messaging and thinking about them. But And I was like, hey, like I'm having real hard FOMO. Pictures look great. I hope you guys are having a great time. I'm sending you guys sexy vibes. I'm imagining all the naughtiness that's happening. And that was what made me feel better. But at the same time, I'm like you where it's easy. it was easier to work through that one. So I, I think going back to what I was originally saying is, when you have a choice to miss it, like what you said, if you can't afford it or if your work won't get off, you know, like those are some scenarios that you maybe could figure out and work around. Who knows? But those are a little harder to handle because then yep. there's that fear of 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like regret. Did I make the wrong choice by not going? Mm. Right. And that's, and I was trying to figure out like, what is the core of FOMO? Like, what do you think, what is, what is behind that, that makes people fear missing out? So I have worked on this a lot in therapy. And for me, I think it boils down to the fear that if I am not there, I am not being thought of and I am not missed. And therefore, I am not enough to be missed. And Mm -hmm. that's what it boils down to. And so I've had to do a lot of internal work about, you know, no, it doesn't mean that you're not loved or not enough. And my therapist will, you know, ask me questions like, so when Elle isn't there, are you not missing her? Or, you know, you've forgotten about her because she's not there. Will she not be invited to the next thing just because she's not at this thing? And I'm like, no, I I do miss her. Maybe not like consciously in the moment because I do also wish for all of my friends that they are having a great time in the moment and not sitting there like, oh, I wish V was here. Let me go <laughs> yeah. FaceTime her. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically she'll walk me through it and say, you know, if if Elle wasn't there, what does it mean? And I'm like, nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It means can't wait to see her at the next one. Like, Mm. that's it. Mm. Yeah. But it's hard to stomach that. We can always, like, kind of see it for other people, but we can't see it for ourselves. Do you ever experience that, too? Yeah, of course. There's always outside, you know, it's like the grass is always greener on the other side. You can't see what's right in front of your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the truth behind something. So, well, I want to ask you, so do you – you said you've been working through this in therapy. Mm. Do Do you believe that yet? Have you accepted it? It gets easier every time. Um, mm-hmm. I have to remind myself for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is also easier when I stay off of social media. Yeah. Um, so you and I actually sent each other voice notes because I also had missed that weekend. I think Jay was out of town and I had other plans here in the city. And so I was not able to go down to DC. So you and I were like, the ones who missed it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not checking social media. I'm staying off of it all weekend. Mm -hmm. And I was fine. And of course, I had little pangs here and there like, oh, I wonder what my friends are up to. I bet they're having a great time. But because I didn't look at their stories to see what they were doing, I was able to put it out of my mind rather quickly. And Mm -hmm. then deal with it, quote unquote, or talk to them about it and how was their weekend. Like two or three days later, once I had processed and it was far enough in the past to be like, all right, well, can't have any regrets now. It's it's over, you know? <laughs> so done. so yeah. And I did wait until like the Tuesday or Wednesday of that next week to actually reach out over Marco Polo to like see how it was and get Ask details. About it. Yeah. So have you thought about in the moments where you feel FOMO what would make you feel better in that moment? Because right now, if I can be honest, you're having an avoidant uh, response to it. Mm. So you're not really facing it. Okay, attachment theory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, oh, that's very interesting. Okay, so so if I were to not avoid... Well, and just to give you an example of what happened to me in DC was I was feeling the FOMO 
I obviously knew I've been in this situation in parties and you're not thinking of other people. You're, I tend to be very present in some of those moments mm-hmm. that I forget about who's not there for, in that time being. So I messaged them and said, I miss you guys. Hope you're having fun. And that was my way to like feel better about it. And I shared mm-hmm. my feeling, but I also positively and reinforced like, I hope you guys are having a great time. And that was me sending well wishes and turning a positive spin on it. Yeah. I like that. And I feel like I could do that in the future. Um, I guess this is still avoidant, but like finding something fun to do myself or, you know, self-soothing to do myself, it kind of reminds me of when I used to work through jealousy. Uh, I mean, and I guess this is a form of jealousy, right? I'm jealous that I'm not there. Jealousy is a fear-based emotion. You're afraid you're going to lose the people. So maybe I'm jealous and I'm afraid that all my friends are having fun without me and they'll decide that I'm not worth the effort anymore, right? Because everybody else is worth the effort. Right. And that's such so much storytelling because there's no truth Mm -hmm. behind that. Totally. But so what I did to help myself through jealousy in my relationships would be journaling, having a glass of wine, in the bath, reading a good book, watching Sex in the City, you know, something like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Just self-soothing things. So this this makes me think of – and like the soothing things I agree with this, this leans into my next like thing around FOMO is obviously we've heard of JOMO, right? The joy mm. of missing out. So actually like flipping your mindset around what the issue is. So instead of looking at the negative of everything that's missing and lacking and what you're not experiencing, the joy of missing out, I could say, wow, well, I really needed to stay home this weekend and get some rest and exactly do my bath, read a book, catch up on my self-care or clean the house or visit my mom, like whatever the joy of that is, whatever brought you joy that you're, you're flipping it to the positive. Mm-hmm. So it's changing your perspective, which is another good way to handle FOMO, in my opinion. I like that because I actually could have gone to DC. Like I said, Jay was out of town. I could have just like taken the bus after work, but I knew I was going to get there so fucking late. Our mm-hmm. friends do stay up till sunrise and it turns out indeed they did stay up they till did. 8 a.m. that day. That- so I would have had plenty of hours with them if I had gotten there at like midnight or even one o'clock, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I knew that it was going to be detrimental to my health. And so I actually think I made a very uh, wise decision not to go. Jomo, you got so- Jomo. <laughs> so yeah, I think. And I also think it was helpful to know that you weren't there too. And I yeah. don't think I really have that this time around. Actually, I don't know the whole guest list of who's coming this weekend. Um for the birthday celebration, but it was helpful to know that I was not alone in missing out. So, Mm -hmm. but if I'm the only one who's not there, that's a little bit harder to stomach too. So. Yeah. And then like something else I was thinking about with FOMO, uh, secondary to JOMO, (laughs) was (laughs) trusting my gut instinct. Like, do I really want to be there? Do I, or am I just like the idea of this fear-based response, am I having to it? Like, I don't want to miss this, this, right? So trusting my gut. And sometimes I do ask myself, like, do I really want to go? Not really. It's okay. And then I justify with my Jomo reasons to stay home. Yeah. You know, if I'm not feeling it entirely, but that makes the decision easier. So I just decided today that I will not be going to Nicaragua to visit some of our amazing friends. Mm -hmm. And 
simply the reason why is because I can't get off work. And Mm -hmm. so I was like looking into ways to just do like a long weekend because I can get like one day off work, but like go to Nicaragua, get there and like spend like, you know, a day and a half maybe. And then like, why would I be like killing myself to do that? And I had to really dig deep and be like, it's because I'm just afraid of missing out. And of course I am. Like there are amazing people going. I'm so happy for you guys, but I want to experience Nicaragua in the way that I should experience it. Like go for at least a week, like see the country. Don't just like go and, you know, have an orgy and leave. (laughs) (laughs) We could have an orgy an hour away. Not with the same people, of course, but. (laughs) Well, here's another thing, like this whole Nicaragua thing that you just brought up. This brings me back to M's comment where he says, you don't have to say yes to everything right then and there because you're going to have another opportunity. This is not the last time that it's going to happen. And I'm actually thinking about this, um, in the lifestyle versus my monogamous traditional friends, it's like, do you experience a difference in your level of FOMO with your lifestyle friends and your traditional friends? That's a great question. And I'm going to say, no, I think I have deeper FOMO with my lifestyle friends. And I think that just goes to the fact that my connections with my lifestyle friends are much deeper Mm. and quality and um, like soul friends, what we talked about, you know, in the last episode. So for me, it feels uh, more, imp- I don't want to say important, but it just emotionally hits me harder. What do you think? Yeah, for me, I think I have more FOMO with my lifestyle friends because you guys are newer friends. Mm. Um, with my traditional friends, there are people that I have long established relationships with. So I have a lot, uh, a lot less anxiety around my relationships with them because it's like we've, we've been through it all. Like we, we've it's gone through the, the long haul. Like, time. Exactly. Like I, I know we're, we're good. We're going to see each other. That's not to say that I don't experience some FOMO, like when they do get together, like a couple of my girlfriends still live, you know, around where I grew up in Pennsylvania near you. Yeah. And so, you know, they'll get together on weekends and I'll hear about it after the fact. And I'll be like, oh my God, like, you know, they're they're getting to see each other's babies grow up. And like, I'm not able to see that. But I think with my lifestyle friends, because they are newer relationships, it's like these little like little baby plants that I just planted in a garden. And like, you need to give them a little bit more attention to make sure that they can grow into stronger, Mm -hmm. stronger plants that last every season, right? And come back every season. I don't know anything about gardening. You should be making this metaphor, (laughs) but, uh, you know, like, I think there are plants that you have to give a little bit more love in the beginning. Is that correct? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. The nurturing of all the little baby plants and the seedlings. And then, but then once you've established them and they've established their roots and like, they just keep coming back every spring and, and you can't Mm -hmm. stop them basically. So until I really feel that way with my newer friends, I think that this anxiety will still be there. So when does a friend not become new anymore? Because you've been, I mean, this is two years in. Yeah. Right? It's almost two years, right? Two, three years? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) 
How, how do you feel about me, Al? Are, are, we, are we good? Are we standing the test of time? <laughs> I think the podcast speaks for itself. <laughs> no, I think that um, with every hang, so so I'm learning that what I need to do is, okay, I can't go to Tampa. Great. I'm reaching out to people individually and saying like, hey, Jay and I are really sad not to see you this weekend. Let's put something in the books. Yeah. And so- I do feel like with every hang, I am establishing more roots with everybody. And Mm -hmm. it's really lovely. So I'll let you know when it happens. Yeah. (laughs) No. And that's exactly what you need to do is relationships and friendships take take work. It takes intention. It takes planning. It takes scheduling. And so for you – that is a good way to manage FOMO is if you're missing out on an event is to connect with those people in other ways and different environments and all yes. of that. Yeah. So that's a beautiful, that's the nugget. Good <laughs> right job. There. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you. So glad we chatted about this. <laughs> what do you think about uh, FOMO from an event that you were not invited to and you found Oof. out later? Wow. Yeah. Um, do you have an answer for this? I mean, no, it just came to my mind now because everything we've been talking about is, well, we were invited, but we had a choice. We're, uh, I mean, that's more hurtful. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely more hurtful. Because then my worst fears are realized that I am forgettable. I was forgotten about. Well, that, well, yeah, that does instill that belief. But this, what brings me back to something else we talked about was not everybody can be invited to everything due to circumstantial issues surrounding the event, whatever it may be. There's a, there's a space limitation and it's not one person's better than the other. I just think who's present at the time that the conversation is happening. Mm. Right. So that's another way that think about it, that I'm thinking about it. Yes. But I'll say like, you know, maybe I'll be having a conversation with you and we'll be like, oh, yeah, let's go to this thing. And the people that I love pop into my mind and I'm like, well, I have to invite them too. Mm-hmm. So as long as, you know, it is something that people can go to. I, I'm thinking of, you know, hey, let's make a trip happen to temptations or dirty vibes or, you know, something like that. Because that's typically what we're talking about or, you know, a, a music festival or something like that. And right. Then, but I would, I would argue on that principle that the hotel stuff is much easier to invite everybody because there's space. But what about in, we went to Tulum where like there was, you can only get a house so big that sleeps so many people. Tulum was hard until you guys did have extra space and invited people. But when I found out that I know that you got the circumstances are different because you had made these plans. I mean, it was always in conversation, but we never like booked it officially until. So when you guys booked it, it sounded like it was like, okay, these eight people are going and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Okay. And I had to work through it. I was like, you know what? They've been friends for a really long time. Like, it doesn't mean anything that I'm not invited. I also have other plans. Like, it's okay. So <laughs> it it hurts, but it's also I, – I also have to come to the realization that all of this sounds like um, everything we've talked about with, like, relationships, like, romantic relationships. It's like, if they do go to Tulum without me – 
and our friendship falls through <laughs> because they <laughs> decide that, you know, they don't need me anymore. Um that's okay. It wasn't meant to be and I will find other friends. But I want to point something out to you is you had these storytelling thoughts. <laughs> and what has reality taught you in the past 4 months since Tulum? Um <laughs> that, that you have continually been invited yeah. to everything else that's in And happening. I'm saying no to everything because of my stupid job. <laughs> Girl, I'm using my no a whole lot more coming yeah. up. Too much travel. It and it is it is good. I do feel good about the decisions that I make, particularly for my health and my sleep, mm -hmm. um, because I am really depleted after these events. But it is just hard because I know that every time I get together with everybody, I am cultivating a deeper relationship. And mm -hmm. again, I love deep conversations and getting to know people and connection. And so I am missing out on opportunities to deepen my connections. Mm -hmm. Right. That makes sense. But now you have some good solutions, which is reaching out and doing something different. Yeah. And uh, making the plans for the next time. So mm -hmm. thank you. That was really helpful to talk through. And I, yeah, I'm going to stay off social media this weekend, but I hope you guys have a great time. <laughs> okay. I'll send you an invoice for the therapy bill. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if I can afford you. Fuck. <laughs> a couple of quick things that I wanted to touch on. Uh, we have gotten a couple of uh, emails from our listeners. And first of all, thank you so much. We love to, you know, continue the conversation, as we've said many times. But the first one that I'm going to say is vanilla. So we had someone reach out who listened to the vanilla episode and also kind of like reiterated that she thought that vanilla is a little bit more of a, uh, has a derogatory connotation and she tries not to use it. So I think that is interesting. That has been kind of like a resounding uh, response that I've gotten from that vanilla episode. How about you? Yes, I agree 100%. Um, it seems to be a little bit more of the negative connotation. Yeah. So, I mean, it just reiterates that I would like to, you know, try to use monogamy or monogamous uh, more often than vanilla. Yeah, but do you see how you just stuttered on it? I, <laughs> I stutter on it every goddamn time. So that's what it is. God damn it. <laughs> I always interchange them and you always correct me. You're like, no, not, not monogamous. Monogamous. <laughs> Oh, God. We'll get there, guys. We'll get there. It's a journey. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, also she recommended a book. Uh, she said, like, I was intrigued by your vanilla episode, was curious if you read Ace by Angela Chen. I was encouraged to read it recently, and her thoughts on compulsory sexuality really expanded my perspective on general theories of sexuality. So I looked it up and I'm it's in my cart now for Amazon. And so basically it says it's an engaging exploration of what it means to be asexual in a world that's obsessed with sexual attraction and what the ace perspective can teach all of us about desire and identity. 
So what is it like to go through life not experiencing sexual attraction? What does asexuality reveal about gender roles, about romance and consent and the pressures of society? I mean, all these questions, I think it, it sounds very interesting. So if anyone else has read that and would recommend it or has any thoughts about it or any other books that they would recommend, please let us know. So I'm interested. I'm going to read it. So you, you, you let Let's me add it to the it. book club list. Yeah. And guys, we do want to do a book club. So meaning we're going to pick one of these books and maybe at some point uh, we will read chapters together and then we'd love to hear responses and we can do like a nice chat live with all of you who are interested in it. Maybe we could do a poll to see what people are interested in um, hearing about. So right now we have like Polysecure, which is the blend of attachment theory and lifestyle. And Ethical Slut is something, I mean, it's an oldie, but goodie, I would say. So, you know, maybe that one or Ace, if people are interested in something else. I also love Come As You Are. Have you read that one? No, you told me about, you mentioned it to me, but I don't know anything about it. That's about the science behind the female orgasm. So, I mean, that... Don't hate that. (laughs) (laughs) So weigh in, everybody. What would you like to do a book club on if you're interested? Email us, send us an Instagram message because that would be an awesome thing for all of us to connect on and share opinions. Cool. So another person who wrote in, thank you so much, Peach Tree, listened to episode 14 on Hedo Swing Breakers. And they just sent us, you know, kind of their flow of how their week goes and their days goes, what works for them when they go to Hedo Swing Breakers, because it can be very overwhelming and exhausting. Mostly it sounded um, very similar to how. L had advised me to do my week. I don't know if I necessarily (laughs) did everything that I was supposed to, but um, there was an emphasis on, you know, taking naps when they can, making sure that they eat lunch because it's a long day of drinking, checking out the DJ at the nude pool, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But something that really stood out to me, so like the week flow, day one, get to the nude pool ASAP. Um, so I need a transition time to get used to being naked around hundreds of people. So the sooner, the better. Night one is usually a chance to play with old friends that we know. Yeah, I, that happens to me is connecting with old friends on the first night because mm-hmm. you, you everyone gets there so late halfway through the day that you can't really, you don't have enough time to build those new connections. So when she, that stood out to me too. I was like, ah, that does happen to me every first night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And just kind of knowing that that is the way it is. But then also from our um, conversations about Hito, you know, knowing that if you haven't connected with someone that you wanted to, that, you know, they've been on the docket, let's say for a while, you know, you will still have time throughout the week to connect with them. But then I loved day five or six. At this point, I'm usually a little sore and bruised in the sexiest places, but you can't wipe the smile off my face. Sometimes I switch to more girl play and my partner uses the hall pass more. So I think that's very interesting. Do you find that you're bruised in the sexiest places by that point? Oh, I've been <laughs> injured. Heck yeah, I've been injured. Uh, this <laughs> this trip, not so much, but I've been there, done that, or my throat is extremely tired mm. and we want more sleep. But what stood out to me about this was 
I love how people's dynamics are different, right? Mm -hmm. My partner can use the hall pass more. I play with girls more now during this part of the trip. So it's interesting to see how everybody does lifestyle different, whatever works for them. Mm, yeah. What about you? So are you sore in all those places? <laughs> um, I've been there before. I don't remember experiencing that this time around, but I remember at like certain, you know, lifestyle parties where I do feel like my my pussy or like my pubic bone is really like pounded, you know, in a good way. And also those muscles, like your groin muscles, like if you've been spreading your legs a lot and sometimes your ass muscles, depending on yes. like what positions you've been in. The little cheeky parts. So right yes. where the bone is. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh -huh. But I kind of like that when I'm really sore and then I continue to have sex. Like it's kind of like really hot to me. Well, you so, do like the pain. You have a pain threshold. That's why mm -hmm. you like spanking. So it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> oh, so that's interesting. If this person who wrote in was into like BDSM, I feel like that would be a time of the week where it's like, okay, my, my pussy's off limits, but I could get into my spanking now, Ooh. like, you know, my pain or like, you know, bondage or something like that. So mm -hmm. Peachtree sounds like we need a follow up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you guys for writing in. Love that. Um, we do correspond with a lot of people on um, Instagram too, like shorter stuff, but these longer emails are really cool and we wanted to give them a little bit of attention. So last thing I wanted to mention was something interesting that came up. Uh, I went to a lifestyle mixer last week with Jay and a couple of our friends here, and two things came up that I was like, ooh, this will be interesting to bring up on the podcast. So first of all, short and sweet, I was speaking to someone about hey, are you in the lifestyle? Um, how do you exhibit the lifestyle, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, uh, well, I don't know. Lifestyle sounds very hetero swinger to me. He didn't say it like in a bad way, but he was like, hmm. basically – I don't use the term lifestyle because it seems like an oh, older. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know it made I me laugh. I can't. I it it can't. sounded like the whole vanilla thing. Exactly. We have to change all of our vocabulary. Um, and I was like, oh, then I'm not lifestyle either because I'm not just a swinger. Like I'm, <laughs> you know, I I feel like I identify as queer. I like that word to describe myself and I'm probably offending queer people. <laughs> but oh my God. That, that's all. Weird. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm queer and I, you know, practice this non-monogamy in many different ways. And it doesn't just come down to my sexual orientation. It also comes down to, you know, how my partner and I like to experience it together. So I mm. guess he was kind of making the point of saying non-monogamous rather than lifestyle. I and see. then your sexual orientation is a different conversation. And then I also think that, not to add more fuel to this fire, but kink community only identifies themselves as kink. And I wonder if there's any kinksters out there, does that mean that you only do kink mm. or do you also have lifestyle experiences, mm. right? Non-monogamous, hetero experiences, mm. right? So I wonder where's the line? I don't think there is a line. It's all blurred, mm. but it's hard to kind of keep up with all this stuff. I guess it's just another example of like 
different people can have different connotations for different words. And so, you know, choice of words is very important. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so if you really want to be clear with someone how you inhabit non-monogamy, ask more questions, get curious or you know, vice versa. Never assume. Exactly. Always get more clarification and ask questions because <laughs> everybody explains it differently. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting. And then the other thing that came up was I saw across the crowd a couple that I have hooked up with in the past and it ended kind of roughly. I think that she was very hurt by me. Essentially, like they wanted me as a like poly third, like their girlfriend. And I just did not, I was burning the candle at both ends. I didn't feel sexual with anyone because I had so many partners and I was trying the poly thing. You were polysaturated. I was polysaturated and it just wasn't working. And I had to break up with them. And Mm -hmm. I think that the conversation would have gone differently and us diving into what we tried to wouldn't have happened so quickly if like we had all been more experienced in this. Because this this is going on like two and a half years ago because this was when I started seeing Jay. And this was the first time you saw them since two and a half years? Yes. Okay, wow. So, but I did not approach them. I felt like... Since they were the ones who, and she particularly was the one who was hurt by me, I had reached out to her after the situation to say like, hey, do you want to go to this thing in the city, like this burlesque show or something like that? And her response was something like, I don't want to do anything even remotely sexy with you. And I was like, okay. And (laughs) so, yeah. Did you have a closure type of a conversation with them? Yes, but it was over Zoom because they lived like – basically, it it was so hard to get to each other. That was one of the um, issues in our relationship was that, you know, I was always coming to them because I lived with a roommate at the time. But, you know, to get to them was like an hour and a half by public transportation. It was just like Mm – it was exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we Zoomed um, as our last conversation. And so anyway, I decided to leave the ball in their court. If they saw me and wanted to come up to me, great. So we did not say anything. And I'm left wondering, did they see me and not want to talk to me? Uh, I don't, Did they not see me? But then mm. it's just like, okay, so the next time we run into each other at one of these things, I don't want to go through this again where I'm like, do I go up to them? Do I? These thoughts that you had, did you have them in that moment, in that night while they were there and you saw them? Yes. Because right. my initial reaction, I am an open person, and I wanted to go up to them and say, like, hey, it's so great to see you. I hope everything's well. So why didn't you do it? Because I felt like I didn't want to put a damper on their night if they did harbor negative feelings still. And so if they didn't see me and or did see me and didn't want to talk to me, I wanted to give them that out. You know what I mean? I can see why you did that. And then I come in and think about I'm not responsible for other people's feelings in that moment. And obviously you would have gone on – you would have approached them with kindness and compassion and, hey, smooth it over. Let's move on. Hope It's been two and a half years. Like Mm -hmm. had you really still be harboring 
something after two. And I mean, if that's the case, I would not waste any more thought about that couple, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because that is not somebody who I would want in my life who harbors something and has resentment. And that's just not a healthy way to maintain any kind of relationship or friendship, even with yourself. So what if it was six months ago? Would that change your answer? No, I mean, I think that in all of these situations, I mean, it's easy for me to say because I haven't been in it, you know, but I would just approach them and clear the air. I hate confrontation. I don't like that uneasiness. If I'm at a party and I'm th- and I'm not present because I'm thinking about that other couple and not the person that's standing next to me who I could be having an engaging, connecting conversation, then I need to do what I need to do to settle myself so I can enjoy my night and not let thoughts carry me away to the negative space. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know? Yes, it does. Um, and now I wish that I had gone over to them, but <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I also would love to hear people weigh in on this because I feel like it is challenging. It's a challenging situation to navigate. And of course, there are so many different circumstances under which you might run into people that you've seen in the past. One of my friends that was there with me, she said, you know, she also saw someone because like New York, it's like, it's a big community, but it's it's a small community. It's like there's only so many lifestyle events to go to, and so you're going to run into people. And she also did not go up to the person that she saw that, you know, ended badly. Oh. So, so what did she have to say about it? Is she still thinking about it? Well, she feels the it? same way. Does she have regret? Like I should have gone up and said something? Or she's just like, oh, this I'll spot. check back in with you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really good point. I haven't been in a situation like this. I guess I'm grateful for that, that I never had anything end terribly. Um, so that's – so I'm curious to see what happens when I'm in that in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. We good here? We're good. This is great. You can email us at girlsgonedeep at gmail.com. Our podcast is Girls Gone Deep Podcast. And our I Instagram. Thank- <laughs> I always do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, and uh, just like a housekeeping announcement uh, is that we are releasing our episodes on Thursdays now. Uh, so just keep that in mind because um, some of our loyal listeners have been questioning that. Finally, is a thank you to our sponsors, Horrible Life. They are the card game of Have You Ever, All Things Sex and Kink. We've had a lot of good orders come in from the podcast because people are hearing how it's being used. So that's exciting to see it go out. So code gone deep, baby. Yeah, yeah get 10% off your deck today. So thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm Elle. And I'm V. Have a great night. <laughs>